Hey there, it's Melissa Brunetti, and welcome to the Mind Your Own Karma podcast. Hey there, Karma Crew. Welcome to another week of Mind Your Own Karma. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have another adoptee story for you. I will be introducing you to Dana Ozak today. And what I love about Dana's story is the positive spin of the adoptive parents. She had great adoptive parents. The other interesting thing in this story is Dana also had great reunions. Although there were some twists and turns that you will learn about in the episode, she's had a pretty great adoption experience all the way around. Let me tell you a little more about Dana. Dana was born at St. John's Hospital in Cleveland in 1973. She was adopted through Catholic Charities in November of that same year. Her adoption was never kept a secret from her, but she still wondered where she came from. She was able to find her biological mother's name after the state of Ohio released her original birth certificate. Sadly, she also found out her biological mother had passed away and there was no birth father listed on her birth certificate. The journey to find her biological father and uncover the truth about her past would send her through a roller coaster of emotions. Ultimately, it led her to positive connections with her younger maternal half-sister, biological father, and four young half-brothers. Here is my interview with Dana Ozak. We are welcoming Dana Ozak to the show today. Welcome, Dana. How are you? Hello, I'm doing great. Good. I know you have a few interesting twists to your story, but let's just start with, do you know why you were put up for adoption? I have guesses and estimations, but I don't know for sure. Um, unfortunately, my biological mother passed away from um, ALS Lou Gehrig's disease before I even knew her name. So it's like, I'll never really know. You were told some things though, or? Yeah. When my biological father met me for the first time, he told me that when he last met her, she was pregnant with me. And she told him that she was going to give me up for adoption and that not to worry about it because the baby wasn't his. Mm. And um, and he thinks that she could have possibly thought that the baby was his because of the timeline and everything. But I don't think she even knew for sure. So mm. Okay. And why did your adoptive parents decide to adopt? Well, my mom had suffered three miscarriages. Okay. And she was told that she wouldn't be able to have children at all. So um, they went through um, Catholic Charities and everything. I think just before, two days before my mom's birthday, they got a call that said, hey, we have a child ready and everything. You want to come see her? And my mom's over here like, yeah, definitely. So my mom and dad went to go see me and they brought me home on your birthday. Oh, wow. They never were able to have children? Actually, they did. Three years later, my mom got pregnant. And the social worker contacted her again. She goes, you know, I know that you had another application and I know that you wanted to give your daughter a sister or brother or sibling. And, you know, are you ready? Do you want another child? And my mom said, well, I'm pregnant. I don't know if I can. And the social worker goes, well, I know that you've had problems having children in the past. I'll just kind of slide your application at the bottom of the pile. I want you to call me when this baby's born. 
And my mom did call her and she came out to see both me and my sister when my sister was born. So I have a sister that's three years apart. And after that, my mom thought that she was done. It was just going to be two girls. Mm -hmm. But seven years after that, my mom, she kind of blames it like on a little bit of New Year's Eve wine. <laughs> she got pregnant again. Oh, wow. And I have a brother that's 11 years younger than me. So I was the only one that adopted. My sister and brother were, were born naturally, I guess you could say so. Oh, wow. So how was that growing up being the only one that was adopted? Did you feel different? My parents, um, they never treated me like I was differently. They always treated me like I was their daughter and everything. Growing up, like we would do the two birthday cakes and everything, you know. I think because I was adopted and everything, they always kind of tried to tell me, it's like, yeah, the thing that some adoptive parents will say and everything, oh, you're special. We chose you and everything, you know, we, but they never treated me any different other than that. Mm. And also uh, when I grew up, like adopted sister too, a little bit like my own adopted mom, a little bit like my sister too. Mm. And I would have tell people tell me, oh, there's no way that you're adopted. You look too much like your mom and dad. There's no way. So, well, that's kind of cool, though, I guess you did have a little bit of mirroring, even though it wasn't biological. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like you had a pretty good childhood growing up then good adoptive parents and family household. Yeah, Yeah, your adoptive parents, you had a good upbringing. I did. That's great. So what was it like growing up then? No different. Maybe a little bit different. I went to Catholic grade school. And I was kind of bullied a little bit for being adopted. Oh, wow. Like I said, I had people tell me, oh, there's no way that you're adopted. You look too much like Mm -hmm. like the rest of your family and everything. And I had one boy in my class tell me, well, if you're adopted, I want to see proof of it. (laughs) I was like 10 years old at the time. So um, I asked my mom, well, is there anything on my birth certificate that would say what I was adopted? And she goes, Dana, you know what? You shouldn't give in to him and everything. You should just kind of just, like tease him back, right back and ask him for proof of his own birth. Right. But it's like, hey, you know, I was 10 years old. I was naive. I wanted to prove to this idiot that I was actually adopted. So she got me on my birth certificate and she explained to me that what I had was an amended birth certificate. Mm. In the 1970s in Ohio, they changed it and they wrote the names of the adoptive parents. Right. And I'm over here like, okay, you know, there's, I can't show this to him. And she goes, well, if you really want to, I do have the court papers from your adoption. But it's like, after that, I just figured, you know, I didn't have anything to prove to him. But when I look at the paper, the document, I just felt as much as I love my mom and dad, this is a lie. Yeah, this isn't the truth. And and if I ever want to find my biological parents, how am I going to do that? Because there's no names. Mm. There's nothing, you know? Yeah. Did you ever get your original birth certificate? I did. In 2015, the state of Ohio passed a law that um, adoptees between like the 60s and the, all the way up to 1980s could send like a, a certified letter. And I think for like 10 bucks, you could send away for your original birth certificate. Wow. And when I heard about that, the first thing that I did was call my parents because I didn't want to do anything to hurt them. And my mom goes, Dana, I always knew that this time would come. And she goes, if you want to do it, go for it and everything. I'm behind you 100%. She also told me that if she were in my shoes, she wouldn't want to know too. So I sent in my um, $10. And two years later, in like 2016, 2017, I got my original birth certificate. Wow. What was that like? 
nerve-wracking, thrilling, you know, exciting. I finally had a name for my biological mother. And my husband, who had been supportive of me, like, from day one and everything, he goes, well, we have a name now. Why don't we, like, Google it and see what we can find? And the first thing that we found was her um, senior picture. Mm-hmm. And I was just in shock. The face is exactly like mine. Even the hairstyle was exactly like mine. Wow. It was just like looking in a mirror. Mm. The second thing that we found was her obituary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How did that feel? Heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. I'm over here looking up. I'm never going to know. I'm, I have so many questions for her. I'm never going to be able to ask her. Mm. But through the obituary, I saw that I had an aunt that was still living and I had a half-sister. Oh, wow. Some were like, hey, should I reach out to them? What do I do? And my husband's over like, well, why don't you try? See if you can find your half-sister on Facebook. See if you can find anything about your aunt through Facebook. Why don't you just look? So I um, I did find my half-sister, Juliana. I sent her a message on Facebook. I don't even know if she ever got the first message because I never heard anything back from her. Mm-hmm. And then with my aunt, I found out that she was living in Lakewood, and I did a little sleuthing through the Cuyahoga County um, voter records because I knew that you could search for my address and everything, and I found her address. And I'm over here like, well, should I write her a letter? I thought about it for like um, at least like a, a good year. And then in 2017, I just said, enough. If I'm going to contact her, I have to do it now. So that was my only resolution that year. It's like, I'm going to write a note to my aunt. I'm going to introduce myself. And if I hear back from her, wonderful. If I don't, it's okay. But I have to at least try. So um, yeah. I got the feedback from some family and friends and everything. Sent the letter back. And she called me the day that she got it. Wow. And my heart just was over here like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> So did she know about you? She suspected. Mm. She was um, a lot younger than my biological mom. And she suspected. And she gave me the, the name of a possible biological father because his name wasn't on the birth certificate at all. Oh, it was blank? Yeah, it was blank. Oh, wow. So by that time, I had asked my husband if I could get on the ancestry DNA thing because I figured since there's no name on there, maybe the next best chance of finding my biological father is to do a DNA test. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get any matches like right off the bat. I used the name that my Aunt Jill gave me and I searched the ancestry DNA base and everything and found out that that, that gentleman had passed away. Oh, man. Too. Some over here, like, okay, what do I do now? Both of my parents are gone, you know. How old were they when they passed? Um, my biological mom was 60, she was in her 60s. Oh, okay. So, was this recent that you started searching? How long ago was this? Pretty recent because it's like prior to getting my original birth certificate, I didn't even know where to start, I didn't know what to do, you know. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, my biological father, he was maybe in his 50s. Okay. Well, the guy that I thought was my biological right. father. Right. This movie is 50s. Here's the twist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you meet your half-sister then after that? And It took a little bit of time for Juliana to kind of warm up to me because I look a lot like our mother and everything. Mm. And she thought that she was the only child for years. Yeah. Oh, she, she didn't know about you then. She had no idea. Wow. Yeah, so. I could see that 
being kind of blindsided and like, really, are you? And, you know, all the questions, like, I don't know if you've had this conversation with her, but how did she feel about your mom not telling her? I think she thought that our mom had her own reasons for Mm. not telling me. And I've talked to like the family friends and everything. And our mother was very concerned about what other people thought about her. She didn't want Juliana to think anything less of me for giving me up. So that's, mm. you know, I'm thinking that's why she didn't, she, why she didn't tell her. Yeah. So how did it go with your aunt then? Sounded pretty positive. Yeah. We called each other a couple times, everything. We didn't meet until like maybe about, I wanted to say like 10 months later, we finally got together and met in person. Mm. And she told me stories about my family and everything. My um grandfather, her dad was in the Navy, he was pharmaceutical salesman. But he, she also told me that he was a, a wonderful artist. Mm-hmm. And my kiddo's an artist too, like constantly like drawing. And, and I like to draw too. But she told me like the story that they had, they were always in rental homes growing up. And they were just getting ready to move out of like one home and everything. And her dad, my grandpa, just decorated like the walls of this house before they were getting ready to leave with like all these silly, goofy characters and everything. <laughs> and then I also found out that my my biological maternal grandmother is a school teacher and I'm a school teacher and I'm a preschool teacher. Oh, wow. So, Interesting. so, you know, it's like, even though I never met them, they passed away too. I just felt like I had this connection to them. Right. So, so what happened to your dad's side then? Okay. So, um, I had met several people of the family and everything. My aunt Suzanne had passed away, but her first husband reached out to me. And we got together for dinner and everything. He was very interested in like genealogy. He told me some awesome family stories and everything too. And he handed a family tree that he had printed out for me. And we're like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. He traced her like that side line all the way back to um, Ernest Hemingway, a very, very distant cousin. So it's like, oh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite authors is like a very, very distant relative. Right. But then when I showed him my DNA profile, he like looked at it and he thought that if the guy that Aunt Jill told me was my biological father, I would have had more Serbian because he was directly from Serbia. Mm. And so he didn't tell me right away. He actually called me at the urging of his second wife and told me, it's like, Dana, I don't know how to tell you this, but if Mita was really your father, you would have had more Eastern European. Right. And then we were like, okay, so what do I do with this information? So for the heck of it, I checked my DNA profile again, and I had a parent-child match. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right after I checked that, we were like, oh, wow. And yeah. he had um, left behind like little clues for me and everything. He left me the clue behind um, to his LinkedIn profile. I got to see a picture of him. And then I called um, my uncle Steve, the guy they went out to dinner with, who gave me the family tree and everything. And we were like, I have here a child match. I don't know what to do. You know, how do I contact him? Does he even know anything about me? And Uncle Steve goes, Data, do you want me to call him for you? Oh, nice. Yes, please. (laughs) And so Uncle Steve called him for me. Maybe five days afterwards, Uncle Steve's wife, Elizabeth, called me. And she goes, Dana, I had laryngitis at the time and everything. And she goes, I don't want you to talk because it's like, I know that, that your throat's hurting. I know that you're just getting over laryngitis. But I just want to let you know that um, 
Uncle Steve called and he talked to your birth father. He always kind of sort of knew about you. He wants to call you. He wants to contact you. But he wants to tell everybody in the family first because you have four half-brothers through him. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's great, though, because there's I've heard so many stories where the biological parent, you know, wanted to meet their child, but hadn't told anybody and still wanted to continue to keep it as a secret and not tell anybody. So that's very thoughtful and, you know, of him to consider that and want to do that first and then bring you in. I think think he told us about everybody in the family before he called me. (laughs) And then when he did call me, I talked to him on the very first day on St. Patrick's Day 2017. So I always mm. remember that and everything. It's like, that's that's the anniversary of the first day that I talked to him. And it's like, we have our own little family group where I talk to him, his wife, all four of my half-brothers. We have our own like text group. And like every year, it's like I'm over here like, yay, happy anniversary, you know? <laughs> so it's like, that's always been my lucky day. Like I felt like I won the day in the lottery. Yeah. The day, you know? So... So you met your brothers, your half brothers then? Yep. Um, you met everybody? My One of my half brothers lives in, in Key West. Well, he lived in Key West when I first met him and everything. When I first, when we first started talking, he moved to Orlando recently, but he was probably like, he's the youngest in the family and everything and the most outgoing, kindest guy I've ever met. He's gay. Mm-hmm. When he called me, the first thing that he said, Dana, you have no idea of how much I've always wanted a sister. It was very hard <laughs> growing up in a house full all guys being gay, yeah. knowing I was gay, and all I ever wanted was a sister. They told him, well, you got me forever now. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> He's the youngest? He's the youngest. He's the baby of the family. Are you the oldest? The, or did were there kids? The oldest lived in Minnesota, and then... Jason actually has a twin, Jeremy. So I have twin brothers. Okay. But are you older than all of the boys? I'm older than all the boys. Okay. So I'm the oldest out of everybody. So, so how was it meeting your dad? Have you met him in person? Yeah, um, he was on, uh, when I first met, started talking to everybody, my um, youngest brother was in the process of getting married. And he invited me to the wedding, but I didn't think that I could make it and everything. It would have been hard to arrange to get all the way down to Key West when we live in Ohio and everything. Yeah. So my father lives up in Minnesota and he called me and he goes, well, we're going to be driving down to Key West for Jason's wedding. And he goes, do you want us to meet up like along the way? Do you want me to? And I'm over here like, yes, definitely. And that was all exciting. I told my husband and he kind of teased me a little bit and he goes, well, we should meet your biological father. You would just be too happy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah. when you met him, was on yeah, the drive? That's when we, oh, wow. when we met him. We all went out to dinner. I got to meet his. It was actually his wife's idea to drive through Ohio to meet me because she found her biological father herself later in life. She was actually older. Mm-hmm. She'd grown up with a stepfather and everything. And she didn't find her biological father and was until she was older. And she told him, it's, it's like, Jay, we have to do this. We have to meet your daughter. Because she knew what it was like, mm. you know. So, yeah. So it's like I was really like blessed in that respect, too. That's cool. Well, that's one way to get to know someone <laughs> is on a road trip. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys better get along. <laughs> and you got to meet everybody at the wedding and 
That had to be like a huge family reunion all I of a sudden. Went for the, they just went on their own. I wasn't able to like get up at the time off for work and everything. Oh, okay. So, um, so they drove. We met up for, for dinner. We went for like a nice little walk, just me and him and everything. He told me about what I told you about how he met my biological mom for lunch. And she told him, don't worry about this. this it's not yours. And, oh. and yeah. Just pretty much cut him out of the equation. Yeah. So, but it kind of sounded like he had a feeling that it, he was your dad. Yeah. Yeah, Nickley. Yeah. Yeah. So, how's the relationships with everyone now? Still good. It sounds like. It is. I just talked to both of my youngest half brothers this morning. I called them because their grandfather on their mom's side of the family had passed mm. away. So it's like when I saw that, I wanted to reach out to them and just make sure that they were okay and all. And, yeah. And. Yeah, I think I'm probably closest to the twins. I think April, yeah, it was on April 1st. We all went to um, my oldest half-brother's wedding. Everybody asked all of us to that and everything. And, and it was wonderful. And I feel like I'm a part of the family. Yeah. Sounds like you're pretty close to your dad's side. What about your biological mom's side? Is there like not that many relatives on that side besides your aunt and sister? And Well, I have um, a a couple cousins. I don't hear from them as much as I would like to. Mm. Um, and Juliana, two years ago, we, we made a road trip. I asked her if it was okay if we um, if we made a road trip vacation all the way out to Colorado to meet her. And she's over there like, yes, I would love that. So um, oh, good. we made the trip. We went out to dinner the day before my birthday. She gave me a cute little card and everything and asked her if I'm over like, yeah, I love sushi and everything. And she actually likes sushi too. So we found like a cute little sushi place and just sat and talked. And we had a whole conversation about some Burton movies. <laughs> I found out that she likes her favorite holiday is Halloween. She has that whole spooky side that I had when I was growing up. And I felt <laughs> like nobody else in the family did, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. I know that feeling. I just want to go back to your childhood for a second. Did you say that your... Um... Adoptive mom made you two birthday cakes? Yeah, on her birthday. Because she, she got me on her birthday and everything. She would make a birthday oh, okay. cake for her and then kind of like a gachi cake. Oh, I so, see. <laughs> to celebrate, you know, like both. So. Yeah, yeah. So looking back, when did you learn that you were adopted? Like you always knew or? I always knew. Yeah. They never kept a secret from me. Yeah. So growing up, knowing you were adopted, did you see any tendencies or even in you know your teenage years that you can look back and say, oh, I had trouble attaching because I was adopted or tendencies that could stem from being adopted? Maybe a little bit like in the fact that like I was bullied like a little bit in high school. It's hard to talk about, but for a time, I was actually a risk cutter. Mm. Yeah. And I thought that, like, by doing that, they would get the bullies to stop. Yeah. And then I actually had a friend that did commit suicide and and see it in it. So after they happened, I cut it out. I just stopped. Wow. If I cut my wrist too hard, if I actually broke a vein, you know, it's like I couldn't do that to my friends yeah. and family. It scared you. Yeah. Yeah. And how about, like, growing up as a teenager or a young adult, were you able to connect um, when you started dating, when you met your husband? Were you able to connect easily or do you see some tendencies there that adoption might play a role in your relationships? I was definitely able to connect with my husband and everything. But when we argue and everything, I, I keep some stuff to myself and everything, you know, I keep some things in. 
because I'm afraid that if I bring it out and everything, I'm afraid of like the reaction. Mm. So that's like the biggest thing that he always tells me, Dana, why didn't you tell me that sooner? Why didn't I'm a real guy? Oh no. I just right. keep it all inside, you know, until right. it just out. So Yeah. So let's talk about the fog for a second. Were you ever in the fog? Are you still in the fog? Have you come out of the fog? Do you use that term at all? I don't think I was in the fog when I was younger. As I got older and the biggest part of being in the fog that I find myself with now and everything is I feel like I was stripped out of a lot of things with my half brothers and my half sister. Mm. They never got to see my kiddo when, when he was growing up and everything. It's like, I just feel like I was totally dipped out of that, you know, like they missed out on so much mm-hmm. because we were denied access to everything. So that's part of the fog. I guess you could say that, that they see myself in right now. Yeah. So, so do you feel like your half siblings you have that sibling bond like you do with the siblings that you grew up with do you feel like you have that same bond even though you didn't grow up together I think I have maybe to be honest a little bit more of a more with the siblings that that I didn't grow up with that you didn't grow up with okay I'm very very close to my paternal twin brothers I've gotten closer with Juliana since we've actually met in person but right now it's hard to to get together with my sister and everything my adoptive sister only lives like 20 minutes away from me, but she's always busy. She's got things going on and it's hard for me to, to get together and hang out with her. Mm. And then my youngest, my youngest brother, it's hard. He lives all the way out in Louisiana. I was able to see him when my oldest brother got married and everything, because they only live maybe about like 20 minutes, half an hour away. So we got to drive down and I got to spend time with both of my brothers, which was awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Because I know sometimes adoptees, because you don't grow up with those siblings, it can be hard to connect with them. So that's great that you're able to make that connection without having that growing up experience. I think a lot of that is because my brothers have all been like open and honest with me. And Julianne has been open and honest with me and everything too. You know, if they've shared pictures with me, they've shared stories. Same thing with Juliana. So yeah and that does help because a lot of times the communication's not there so if you have that I think that is yeah. huge yeah it does really help so do you think I'm going to ask you I don't know if you consider yourself having the primal wound because it sounds like you had a great upbringing and everything but do you think that you ever had the primal wound and do you think that we can heal from the primal wound I think we can heal from the primal wound I had it maybe a little bit and everything. I don't think I ever felt it like growing up and everything just because I had a wonderful relationship with my adoptive families. Yeah. But now because I don't have my biological mother in my life anymore and everything, it's there. It hurts because there's so many questions that I would love to ask her. Yeah. So many things that I don't have answers to. So now I think I feel it more than because I don't have her anymore. So. Yeah. So what's helped you personally in dealing with your primal wound or any adoption trauma that you have or had? What do you use to get through that and cope? Maybe your art and what else? The artwork and, and writing, journaling, talking to like family and friends and everything. And, you know, just having the support of my family, of both families, of my adoptive family, of, of my biological family, everything, just having them to talk to and know that they will be there to support me and everything 
Yeah. I've been writing, I've been work, working on my memoir and everything, like writing all that stuff down. It's like, just like one big journal for me, you know? Yeah. So. I was going to ask you if you were doing that with all your journals. How long have you been writing? Since I was maybe about like eight or nine years old. Oh, wow. Do you have all of those journals still? I have not the one from my teenage years. I saved it. It's not just like reading it now. It's like, wow. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to let anybody else read it. But <laughs> <laughs> so the other question I have for you is what would you tell struggling adoptees? What would you want them to know to help them? I would want them to know that even if it seems like it's hopeless, like you're never going to find like anything about your past, anything about your biological family to not give up, you know, just try every avenue, try any aspect, everything, you know, if you haven't got the DNA record like right away and everything, you know, just keep looking because you never know what can pop up, like what happened with my biological father and everything, you know? Yeah. So, so you have a website. Tell us about that. I do. It's called a girl for families.com. I have a blog that goes along with it. And I just recently started working on each one of the family pages. I have like pictures up that gotten from different family members. A little bit of little stories about how I met them, how I connected with them. I have a couple resources for adoptees that want to search and everything. Yeah. So uh, four families, so meaning your two biological parents and then the two families from your adoptive parents? Well, and then also my, my married family. Everything. So, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, so the... The family that adopted me, the family that I married into, and then my two biological families. Okay. So you have like a blog about each family? Yeah, just like a page for each family. Mm -hmm. And what about your art? Do you have your art up there as well? I have um, the book cover for my book. I dabble in watercolors and everything. And then my, my kiddo actually encouraged me. It's like, mom, why don't you just make your own book cover and everything? I know that you love to doodle so it's like yeah sure and then I'll probably like post some more pictures that I've done up there and everything to do so have you done a manuscript then is it turned in are you working on it or it's still a work in progress mm -hmm. just recently I started going back to school I am in the process of getting my bachelor's degree in early child mm. education so for couple months homework kind of occupied all my time right. in addition I work full-time and everything I work full-time as a preschool teacher so it's like I really didn't have a lot of time to sit down and write so that kind of got pushed by the wayside but this summer it's like you know I don't have any homework doing going on I can write on the weekends I can work on my website on the weekends so <laughs> I can dedicate more time to that so yeah, I can definitely relate because I'm in school too, working, doing the podcast. I feel like I have a huge plate as well. So I'm totally relating to you right now. <laughs> like I'm juggling 5,000 balls in the air. Yes. <laughs> Are you involved in any adoptee groups on Facebook or anywhere? I want to say like at least like four um, different groups on Facebook. Some of them I just kind of follow. Some of them, sometimes I'll post mm -hmm. something. Do you find those helpful at all? I do. Yeah, I do too. To have that 
connection with other adoptees and everything. So, you know, that, that there's other people out there like me, you know, know. so. Yeah, I know growing up, it feels like you're the only one. I don't, I don't know if I, oh, I had a neighbor that was adopted. She didn't find out till later, like in high school. So, um, but she was probably the only other adoptee. Well, I'm sure there was more, but no, you know, we don't talk about it. (laughs) One of my best friends growing up was adopted, my friend Kelly. Oh, wow. And when the original birth certificates came out, we both decided at the same time, and I called Kelly and I were like, do you want to do it? And she goes, yeah. She asked me, do you want to do it? And she goes, yeah. So we both did it. And while my biological mother's name was pretty uncommon, hers was Susan Kent. Oh. And she didn't think that she would ever find anything out about it. Like after all this happened, after I finally met like all my brothers and everything, I still had access to my ancestry account. I still had a paid account. Someone really like, just for the heck of it, I'm going to search through the and see what I could find. And I found her half brother. And then I reached out to him for her. And he reached back and he sent a picture of their mother. And it was just like looking in a mirror. It's like, Kelly. Oh my gosh. So I helped her find her mother too. And it's like, you know, that was awesome. That's a sample cool. of her biological mother had passed away too. Oh gosh. So, yeah. What the so heck? We're both <laughs> kind of like the same club, you know? Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. Did you, um, on your original birth certificate, did you, ha- did they name you something different? Not on the original birth certificate, but on the, um, on the other adoption record, um, she named me Marie. Oh. And I always knew that there was something with Catholic charities that give you non-identifying information. Mm-hmm. And um, they told my parents that they named me Marie. The information that they gave me on my biological mother was pretty correct. Mm. But the information that they gave me on my biological father was way off. They told me it was that he um, worked, I think, a janitor at the college that she was going to. And that he was married to another man. And that goes more with what the research that I did on the on the name that my aunt Jill gave me. So I think that when she gave me up for adoption, she, she really thought that this other guy was my father. Yeah. So she gave him all that information. Yep. Which got passed on to you, which wasn't yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thinking that that other guy was your biological father. Did you meet anybody on that side or get in contact with anybody on that side? No, because once I found out they passed away, it's like I didn't want to. And plus, I did find his marriage certificate. So he was married and I didn't know how to mm. go about that. Yeah, that could be kind of sticky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. True. Well, good thing you didn't because it turned out he wasn't. So wasn't, I know <laughs> that would have been horrible, like trying to connect with these people and thinking that and then finding out later that that wasn't true. I've heard that story too a couple of times. It's not, that's horrible. Well, we'll put your links to a girl and four families in the show notes. So if anybody wants to check that out, they can. And is there anything else that you wanted to say before we close? We cover everything. Not really. Yeah, I think I got everything. Um, I have been following like some of the different state to state fights for, um, to get the original birth certificates released and everything. Yeah. And I, I definitely am a 100% advocate for yeah. it because that's without that paper, I wouldn't have ever found my family. So yeah, I'm in California, so we don't get that, which I'm so surprised because we're just so, mm-hmm. you know, open about everything else. I'm surprised that they're one of the states that are still not. There's 
there's probably about like 34 of them that still are in the dark when it comes to that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Dana, for coming on the show today. You're welcome. It was wonderful to meet you, Miss Melissa. What a great story. I just love hearing how her reunion is going so great and how she feels so close to her siblings. You don't hear that very often. So I just love hearing that part of her story. And I love the fact that she's not afraid to say that her adoption journey went well. There's so many adoptees that have a great adoption and positive adoption story, and they're afraid to say anything because so many do not have that story. And a lot of people don't want to come on the podcast that have positive stories because they feel like it needs to be drama and have all this strife and discomfort in it. And it doesn't. No matter what your adoption story was, contact me and let's get your story on the podcast. Let's educate the world about adoption. Your story, whatever the circumstances, whatever the story needs to be told so that other adoptees can hear it and say, me too. That feeling of community that we adoptees have is so important to all of us, not only in our healing, but just to be able to talk to one another someone that understands what we're talking about in the way that we're talking about it. So if you've been thinking about coming on the podcast, send me an email at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com and let's do it. Let's tell your story. Someone out there is waiting to hear it. If you are looking to connect with me, I am on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can email me I also have a website, mindyourownkarma.com. So check all those out and let me know you're out there and let me know that you're listening. Last but not least, please remember to subscribe and rate and review the podcast. If you are looking for ways to say thank you, I love Mind Your Own Karma. That is the best way to do it. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. I'll see you next time.